0: Welcome to this IQT podcast. My name is Sarah Sewell, and I'm the Executive Vice President for National Innovation Policy at InQTEL, where I work on the dual use technology questions that matter for national security and great power competition. And today we're going to talk about positioning, navigation, and timing information, or PNT data, which undergirds modern economies and infrastructure. PNT allows the synchronization of financial transactions or transportation, and it supports navigation and geographic based services. Most citizens get their PNT data for free from government funded satellites. It's available almost everywhere. So integrated into our daily lives that it's essentially invisible, which is why it's been called the silent utility. Yet satellite-based PNT data is vulnerable to disruptions, and those disruptions could prove catastrophic, paralyzing much activity and costing the nation up to $1 billion a day. Enhancing the security and redundancy of PNT access, therefore, is critical for economic and national security. China's improving the diversity of sources for PNT data that it provides both at home and to global users. The United States, however, continues to rely predominantly on its legacy GPS systems, um, which provides civilian PNT data. And so the question for today's discussion is, what can or should the United States do to enhance the resilience of PNT data that is so vital for American critical infrastructure and economic activity? And we have two experts here today to Explore this question. I'm going to introduce them. Dana Goward is president of the Resilient Navigation and Timing Foundation. That's a nonprofit organization that seeks to protect GPS satellites, signals, and users. His distinguished career in the Coast Guard included serving as the U.S. Maritime Navigation Authority. And he's a member of the president's National Space Based Positioning Navigation and Timing Advisory Board. Thanks for joining us, Dana. Pleasure. Uh, Abby uh, Sivananthan is a senior technology architect at inqtel where she works on next-generation communications, compute, sensing, and microelectronics. She has a doctorate in electrical engineering, and she previously developed and managed semiconductor R&D at DARPA, the Defe- Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Did I get that right, Abby? Yep and she also has been a fellow on Capitol Hill. So it's great to have you in the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Let's begin. Avi, uh, satellite-provided PNT is available without costs to users across the globe, and most of us take it for granted, but it's a relatively recent development. Can you describe how it evolved technologically?
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Sarah. Um, So I guess to start with, uh, p and uh, refers to the sensors, the software, the chips, and the systems that provide you with information for positioning or where you are, uh, navigation, um, and timing, which uh, synchronizes time accurately across the entire world. Um, it's a really broad set of technology that is part of all of our daily lives. As uh, Sarah mentioned earlier, uh, it's used for synchronizing financial transactions. Uh, it's used for synchronizing your cell phone calls, uh, navigation of airplanes, and for data used by Google Maps to help you navigate and help your Uber drivers find you. Uh, well, while p and spans much larger than GPS alone, a lot of it relies upon GPS, which uses satellites to distribute timing information. Uh, GPS is operated as a U.S.-owned utility that provides users with timing information and has been funded and maintained by the U.S. government for dual-purpose use for decades. Uh, The U.S. developed GPS in the 1970s, and in large part because GPS was provided as a free and open service, it went very quickly from uh, solely defense use to being embedded across consumer devices. Um, What we're seeing today is many other countries have also realized the benefits, um, both for military purposes, but then also for economic purposes, and are pursuing their own systems to reduce dependence on foreign nations, um, and also develop their own ecosystems uh, domestically. Many of these plans have been in the work for decades and we're just now starting to see these systems come online in the last couple of years. And so we're seeing a major shift uh, globally from a very GPS dominated world to timing signal that's provided by a number of different systems uh, with four individual space based systems for global coverage and, and a number of regional systems as well. Um, you know, as GPS has become more pervasive in our lives, uh, we're seeing companies that are both large and small working to diversify p um, to expand solely beyond using uh, GPS as kind of your sole stop system. Uh, and so over the last 10 years and into the future, we're seeing it become a lot more democratized, much more global. And there's a lot of startups that are uh, developing really exciting new technologies um, uh, to complement GPS systems. And so you know, from our perspective, we're not seeing a single you know, perfect alternative to GPS, um, but feel there's a host of options that are coming online to complement and provide alternative capabilities as needed. So rapid change. Rapid
0: change behind us and rapid change ahead. That's great. So Dana, why should Americans care about the security of their space-based provided PNT of the GPS system? And do you think that the the dependence on, on PNT will continue to grow such that we should be even more concerned about future resilience of, of that data?
2: Well, sir, it's an excellent question. So, if you care about uh, your technology, if you care about the ability to carry on life as we have been doing in 2023, you should care about the resilience and the cont- continuity of the PNT services that undergirds all of that. So, over the last 40 years. Uh, P, highly precise PNT, free of charge from the global positioning system, has transformed our society. Uh, it is um, brought on all kinds of additional capabilities. And its uh, data is used to enable any number of uh, applications, like Avi uh, referred to, but also the timing and uh, the rest of the signals used to enable the functioning of IT systems as well. So you have this dual uh, characteristic that is uh, essential to essentially every technology. So uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, something that we need to be concerned about even though it's invisible. And it's something that we're gonna need to uh, continue to be concerned about and have because life without the kind of p and that we have right now easily available is almost unimaginable. Yeah, it, it was a near existential threat for the United States if we have a major disruption to uh, GPS and our other PNT services.
0: And our reliance on these technologies in a world of self-driving cars or precision agriculture could just become greater over time. So so that's a, that's a, a sobering a sobering thought. And so can you help folks who have joined us better understand why satellite provided? G- G- PNT is so vulnerable. What what could happen to it? And and as we think about modernizing GPS satellites, is that the solution?
2: Sure, GPS is vulnerable almost by design. So the signals are necessarily very weak because they come from space and because they can't interfere with each other else it would not function. And also because uh, in order to ensure adoption as widely and broadly as possible, we've made the signal specifications uh, public. So uh, because the signals are weak, they can be easily be disrupted accidentally or maliciously. And because the signal specifications are available, a reasonably sufficient sophisticated uh, hacker um, can uh, easily imitate the GPS signals and lure uh, a user off into a different direction, uh, making them or others that are observing them think they're someplace that they're not. The signals can also be uh, a vector for malware to infect uh, uh, different IT systems. So there's a lot of concern there. They're they're just very vulnerable uh, by their very nature.
0: Some people talk about jamming and spoofing. Can you describe what that means?
2: Sure. Jamming is the uh, GPS uh, radio frequency equivalent of a service denial uh, of a uh, of an IT system, and spoofing is uh, hacking it, uh, imitating it, providing uh, false information.
0: So, will will modernization take care of all that whole litany of of potential threats that you just described?
2: So the GPS modernization that's going on right now is good and it's necessary. We should uh, support that unequivocally. Unfortunately, the very nature of the physical structure of GPS signals and the nature of the system is such that those improvements will only be marginal. And in fact, the GPS modernization program that the Department of Defense is undertaking right now really will only benefit and make marginal improvements for uh, military users. So, Yes, uh, GPS modernization is good and necessary, but it is not the answer. Uh, What we really need is a systems of systems approach. In fact, the Department of Transportation has opined since uh, 2008, uh, most recently in 2021, that what we need are space-based signals as we have, and perhaps more space-based signals, uh, time over fiber, and uh, a series of uh, terrestrial broadcasts such that users have PNT information delivered to them uh, by completely independent means, means that are, uh, do not share the same uh, failure mode uh, so that uh, one threat, one problem which will affect one method of delivery will not do- uh, affect the others.
0: So great. So what you're explaining, I think, is that that redundancy of sourcing for PNT will be really important. And what Abhi was talking about earlier was innovation in PNT and I want to come back to that Abhi can you can you talk a little bit about what are the the physical domains or what are the use cases that are emerging that are driving some of the innovation that you referenced earlier and and how what are the impediments to progress in the kinds of of technologies that you're watching begin to to come into the commercial space
1: uh, yeah, th- thanks, Sarah. Um, so, first, I'd say, you know, as we've been talking about, more and more industry sectors and consumers are relying on PT, and there are regions where GPS just doesn't work as well. Um, for example, as the commercial maritime market expands, users need alternative uh, options to GPS because GPS signals don't penetrate well underwater. Uh, similarly, industries working uh, underground, such as mining or even deep in a mall, uh, need alternative options because you just don't have signals. That can get through in those environments, and uh, you know, you, you also mentioned precision agriculture. Um, there are a number of industries that are seeking higher accuracy timing than you can get from uh, today's uh, you know free open uh, GPS systems. And so, I think there there are newer use cases that just need more advanced technology that are driving uh, some of these alternative solutions. Um, and uh, the the second thing I'd say is. Um, there are a number of systems uh, like data centers, right? like financial transactions that can't afford an outage. and so they are seeking fallback options um, such as local networks for distributed timing uh, should there be an issue. Um, and I think uh, as as these new technologies come online, one of the challenges that we're we're definitely seeing is um, the the pace of innovation is really fast and uh, P t data and systems are embedded very deeply within a sector. and so, keeping pace and swapping in new technology can be difficult and can take a long time.
0: Thanks. That's great.
1: Well, let's let's shift to how uh,
0: other countries are addressing these issues and let's talk a little bit about China that has been doing so much to develop, you know, its space-based capabilities to include a global uh, navigation satellite system that provides PNT data that now rivals G- the US GPS system. Can you explain to folks, Dana, how China is seeking to achieve the goals that you were recommending, which is, you know, resilience and redundancy? What, what, how do they solve that problem for their own national interest?
2: Sure, China learned um, quite a while back that uh, during a, one of the Taiwan Strait crises, that it could not rely on GPS when <laughs> GPS failed them as they were trying to launch the missiles towards Taiwan. So that began a Decades-long effort to develop their own uh, global navigation satellite system, which they've done, and which is newer and uh, more uh, more pervasive, actually, in many ways, and more accurate than uh, than GPS. But because they found that they could not rely on space entirely, they've gone steps further, and they've deployed a, a complex terrestrial uh, timing and navigation system that includes over 20,000 kilometers of fiber and a high power, low frequency broadcast system that covers the entire nation. And they're synchronizing all of that with their space-based signals so that their military and their civilian users will always have PNT wherever and whenever they need it.
0: And you spoke earlier, Dana, that that this was a system, is this an example of the system of systems approach that, that you were recommending?
2: absolutely it's an example of it in fact it's interesting that uh, when china first announced that it was taking the system of systems approach it actually pirated a a graphic from the department of transportation's announcement about what the united states should do that was published in 2008 so we we established the graphic they took it and ran with it and we're still looking at the graphic wondering what we should do
0: Well, uh, I want to now ask you know, Abhi, To, to you, you said earlier, there is no one silver bullet. You know, there it's it's never going to be just one solution. You talked about a diversity of use cases and a diversity of domains. Where do you think technology innovation can contribute most to to the kind of system of systems approach that that Dana is describing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. So I, I would say, it's, it, as you said, it's, it's hard to pick one winner, right? We see the PNT landscape uh, is consisting of multiple different segments. Uh, and we're seeing startup activity and activity by the large traditional players in the space across the ecosystem. Uh, we've talked about a lot about space-based timing, which is where today's GPS system lies. Um, and in this space, we're seeing startups become more active. Uh, they're leveraging the lower launch costs to get to space, um, as well as advances in small satellite technology to, to launch their own constellation. Um, and provide Leo-based PNT services that can augment the U.S. government signals uh, with higher power signals and more modern waveforms that might be harder to jam. Leo, uh, sig- Leo satellite. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, so just a, a different orbit than what you traditionally use. It's closer to Earth. Um, and, and so, so stronger. stronger, stronger right. signals, exactly. Um, you know, and, and I think kind of coming down one level, you have that next layer of terrestrial distribution or, you know, how do you distribute signals on land without having to go to space? Um, So still very infrastructure heavy, typically led by by government um, or municipalities. But there are a number of startups that are looking at, you know, how do you use things like fiber optics for um, distribution of signals uh, in metro areas? Um, Or, you know, how do you use uh, signal processing combined with terrestrial features to uh augment the information uh your cellular device is uh receiving for example to provide higher accuracy um and i think as you take it one layer down you have sensors on your phone right even your iphone has uh sensors that can aid in navigation um these type of sensors or devices often provide real-time updates over the course of minutes um and that's sort of relative to uh an initial starting point um but they still require working with gps um, but we're seeing a lot of really interesting activity in making those sensors uh, more accurate while maintaining the small form factor and low cost uh, using unique signal processing, using things like AI-based error correction, or even new types of materials. Um, so I think there's a lot of exciting work there. Um, and finally, there, there is a subset of companies and uh, research that are looking to to build brand new types of devices that don't need GPS or any sort of satellite infrastructure and can get still give you really precise information um, you know, these are, these are being commercialized today. Um, we're seeing some very promising demonstrations, uh, especially around using, uh, things like quantum sensors, uh, for this kind of something.
0: Wow. So quantum has been, you know, the, the, the future sort of gold standard for a long time held out there. What are the timelines for some of these more ambitious innovations?
1: Yeah you know i think in terms of timelines like especially for quantum there's demonstrations now right like there's been demonstrations in labs people are planning to do demonstrations uh in operational environments i it think it's much more of you know how long will it take to um to put that into form factor uh that's smaller that's a little bit more rugged but it's it's work that's happening today that we're very excited about
0: and do you envision that the, the adoption will happen with small user bases and sort of unique use cases and then gradually perhaps penetrate into a, a wider commercial use?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think that's right. And I think it kind of goes back to what you'd mentioned earlier, right? There's a diversity of use cases. Each use case is going to have different um, different needs around form factor, around accuracy. And so uh, I think we'll start to see these sensors as they come online, um find the right use case and then go from there. So this is, sorry, Dana, go ahead.
2: Yeah, so I absolutely agree with Avi. Clearly there are lots of technologies out there, lots of capabilities, uh, and there are gonna be more, Uh, but the challenge is adoption. So um, there will always be a demand for commercial services by from high demand users, folks with lots of money. The financial sector has uh limited uh, geographic footprint and all kinds of money to buy atomic clocks and fiber, for example. So they're not, not ever really gonna be a problem. Um, But the GPS, uh, free GPS, again, over the last 40 years has transformed our society, right? And it's been widely adopted in ways that we probably have no appreciation of yet until there's a significant problem. Hopefully that will never come. But uh, in addition to these niche cases, the special use cases or the the high demand users, uh, we also have a requirement uh, in this country for a, graceful fallback in the event of a major solar storm, enemy attack, cyber problem, or or anything else that could give us a significant uh, challenge with uh, GPS services here in the United States. Uh, Unlike China and some other nations, we don't have a graceful fallback. And that is a significant strategic and tactical uh, disadvantage for us relative to China and some of our other adversaries. Uh, And it's also a significant threat on its own, just from a for the homeland. So uh, government is going to need to get involved first by protecting itself, federal IT systems and solutions, it's, it, it needs to walk the talk and, and become resilient as far as P&T, show the, set an example for others, and also give the, uh, the idea uh, to folks that these technologies, these systems that the government is adopting, are going to be around for a while. So it's worthwhile adopting them and incorporating them into their enterprises. And government also needs to be more proactive in lowering the barrier to adoption for those users who will never be able to or want to afford a commercial system. They've had free GPS for 40 years, they're accustomed to PNT being highly precise, freely available as a utility, and they just don't have the wherewithal to uh, to go and be one of the more sophisticated and expensive users, so so there's a couple places for government leadership here, uh, and and uh, we are very much encouraging and hoping that government will finally step up after all these years, and uh, exert that leadership and make the nation more resilient in PNT and and more secure.
0: So you are really talking about the corollary from the silent utility. Uh, moniker that that GPS and PNT data has, which is if it's a silent utility, it means it's being used by everybody. It's essential and government does have some role. And so the question about where does the innovation that Abi was describing that happens in part driven by government, but also driven by the private sector, how does that then become integrated into the protection of national infrastructure and thinking about, about resilience for the country as a whole? So this has been a fantastic discussion. Any, any final thoughts that you would either like to share? Avi, start with you. Uh,
1: no final thoughts, but yes, I agree. It's a, you know, it's a very interesting area and one we're uh, closely monitoring because I it, you know, think it's really promising and uh, very quickly evolving sector. Dana, last word.
2: Yep. Seatbelts are not any good if you don't use them, right? So the uh, same with uh, technology and uh, systems to make GPS more resilient. Um, from a personal human psychology point of view, as well as a social psychology point of view in terms of uh, governments, we all have a very difficult time being proactive and preventing bad things from happening. Uh, I'm Uh, like to remind folks that we had over 130 commercial airliners hijacked before 9-11, one of which the hijackers said that they were going to crash into a nuclear power plant if their demands weren't met. Yet we did not as a nation take uh, the opportunity before 9-11 to improve airport security, uh, harden the cockpit doors on commercial airliners and, and so forth. So imagine how much different the world would be if we had gotten ahead of the bang there and taken some fairly simple steps to uh, protect uh, the nation and our, our, our airline uh, customers and users. And the similar uh, case with uh, protecting PNT. Um, we know that there's going to be a significant solar storm at some point in our future that is going to deny a service for days, if not longer. We should get ahead of that and prevent the problem rather than waiting to try and sweep up after it, it already occurs.
0: Well, we have certainly been a pioneer in this field. And, you know, Abby is reminding us of the ways in which the U.S. is continuing to pioneer. And Dana is flagging the need to be proactive in thinking about backup systems and resilience uh, in the event of, of emergency and all really important messages. Thank you both so much for helping us think both about the importance of PNT and the importance of securing it so that we can continue to rely on it in a world that will become ever more dependent on the same. So really grateful that you could be with us for this conversation. Thanks to everyone who's watching for tuning in to this podcast. Please make sure to subscribe to future podcasts so that you don't miss out and feel free to leave us uh, reviews or comments. Thanks and goodbye.